Welcome to the Financial Advisors Workshop, where we will be interviewing some of the most successful financial advisors in America to hear exactly what strategies and tactics they use to grow their practice to 100 million and beyond. So our biggest goal here with this podcast is to help you grow your financial advisor practice. So thanks everybody for tuning in and let's jump into the interview. Welcome everyone back to the Financial Advisors Workshop. Uh, we are, our quest is to interview some of the most interesting and successful financial advisors in America so we can all learn from each other and learn how we can make our practices better for the good of our clients and good of the industry as well. So we have a really interesting lady who's joined us today, and we have tried to get her on a little, a little while. We've had some stutter steps as far as timing, but it's worked out well, and we're so glad we could get together. It's Lisa Kirschenbauer, and Lisa is the owner of Omega Wealth Management, and you're out in Virginia, is that right? In Arlington, Virginia, right across from D.C. Excellent. Well, welcome, Lisa. We uh, are excited to hear you have a lot of unique things that are doing at your company. Uh, and uh, you're a Stanford grad as well. So you're uh, smart and you have a, a son that goes to University of Chicago, my alma mater. So uh, he seems to be pretty smart as well. So you have a lot going for you. Um, tell, tell us about how you got into the business, Lisa. And then let's talk later about Omega. Yeah, um, I'll try to tell it as shortly as possible. But bottom line, I graduated from uh, college with an international relations degree, um, was thinking about either investment banking or some sort of government job, um, ended up on the East Coast, thought I wanted to be on the East Coast and was going to take a job at a government agency. And it ended up not working out, which is maybe a story for offline um, but I ended up in D.C. looking for a job. And um, after temping a little bit, I ended up at E.F. Hutton, which is a name that uh, a blast from the past. I was a sales assistant because back in 1985, women were generally sales assistant and men were brokers. That's how it worked. Um, there were hardly any women brokers. And, and um, I was lucky enough, though, to get to work with uh, my top broker was a certified financial planner. Um, that was back in 85. He was charging fees for plans, which was incredibly unusual in the brokerage world at that point. Um, and so I got exposed to financial planning really, really early on and had the opportunity, even after leaving, working uh, with them, I got registered and all that kind of thing. Um, uh, I ended up uh, at uh, the broker dealer for Calvert Group Mutual Funds, the socially responsible mutual funds. Um, working on a trading desk. Um, I was on a trading desk in 1987 on Black Monday. Um, so I, I know what it's like when it was, you know, a really down day. Um, luckily, we don't have those anymore, right? Um, <laughs> and, and made my way um, in my career um, in, in sort of the corporate side of financial services for about 10 years. And then it really realized that um, I, I, there was a turning point where I had the opportunity to run what was a small insurance affiliate broker dealer, and it, it, it didn't turn out. I was passed over um, by a man, which was not unusual then. Um, and I decided probably time to um, control my own fates and start to work directly with clients. And shortly after that, I founded Omega Wealth Management. It was not Omega to start. It had my name on it. Um, but back in 1999, I formed the firm. And, and we, we had started to realize that at that point, uh, the work we wanted to do was different. Um, I had the opportunity to do a bunch of seminars at AOL back right before the dot-com bubble. I was working with a number of middle management um, people with a lot of sudden wealth. 
And what I realized, though, um, that was the beginning of realizing I needed a different business model um, because sometimes it made sense to counsel them to exercise their options, sell the stock and invest it in a more diversified fashion. But sometimes it didn't. And they needed help understanding what it means to have sudden wealth, to build a team of you know, an accountant, an estate planning attorney, et cetera. And, and, and the business model of commissions and assets under management fees didn't quite work, but um, I stuck with it for a little bit longer. And by 2004, I gave up my licenses, went fully independent as an RIA, changed my business model, and also started to add the, the life planning side of our work. Okay. So you say that the traditional AUM charge fees on the assets didn't work. So why didn't it work? Tell, tell us about that. Yeah, and, you know, and we still run into plenty of situations where it doesn't work. Um, it, back with the AOL folks, sometimes it wasn't in their best interest to, to get them to um, exercise and, and sell, uh, exercise the options and sell the stock just so that I could get paid. Likewise, today, the kind of clients we're working with, higher net worth clients, business owners, a lot of the value, their wealth is tied up in, in the business, in real estate. Um, and yet they need all of the same advice that, you know, many other clients need, but the business model that um, many people tend to use um, requires that there's assets to manage. And right. so we we pick up a lot of different kinds of clients because um, their wealth isn't necessarily in traditional, um, you know, stock and bond, mutual fund ETF investments. Um, and yet they really their high net worth and they need coordinated advice and they need tax planning and estate planning. Um, and so that's a really good client for us, but maybe not a great client for you. So what did you do about that then? Let's talk about where you went, the direction you went in. Yeah. And that was part of the reason I left my broker dealer was they really couldn't accommodate um, an ongoing annual planning retainer fee. Um, they they were still, you know, still commission assets under management fees and, and that. And so actually it was a really nice parting. So that's about that at that point when we left um the broker dealer, um, our main business model became uh, a flat planning, annual planning fee uh with a 35 basis point um investment management fee. Um we converted a bunch of clients over at that point, and then as we moved forward, that's how we've worked with new clients for the last 18 years. Great. Now, do you also manage the money or you place money with managers or do you, you run, you run your own models? Then? Uh, no, we, 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 we do manage money because obviously we have an AUM fee. Um, we actually um, use SEI um, as our platform and custodian. We, we have a little bit of money at, at um, Schwab Institutional, but most of it is now over at SEI. Okay. Okay, great. So how is the business going? How is this model of business going? Yeah, I mean, this works great because it puts us in front of clients, again, that um, a lot of people can't um, work with um, and, and, and be compensated for. And um, so it, it helps us, um, uh, you know, I think delineate our offering. Um, it puts us in front of clients, um, very interesting clients, very interesting families. Um, we've been growing quite a bit. Um, and we've really made a concerted effort over the last couple of years as we've engaged in being part of the CEG worldwide community. Um, we're really looking to work with higher net worth families. So 5 million and up, um, you know, 5 million to maybe 30 
million is is where we're putting more of our energy. And it's uh, honestly, Brian, it's a completely different kind of client engagement, different kind of conversation than that one to five million dollar range. Well, so we talked about the difference between a comprehensive advisor and then a holistic advisory team. So let's explore that because that might lead us where you're going. Yeah. And, you know, so I think there may be, a you know, a number of people that, that you talk to and, and that are listening in who would call themselves comprehensive. So when I think about comprehensive, I think about the, the six or seven areas of financial planning, you know, cash flow, taxes, estate planning, investments, insurance, retirement, education. So we're doing all of that work. And, and you know, when we strive to do that work really well, the holistic piece comes in because of all of our life planning exercises and the life planning training we've had. Um, we use a combination of the Kinder Institute's Evoke model. And then we also, for our clients in transition, um, utilize the process and tools from the Financial Transitionist Institute. Some people may know the work of Susan Bradley, um, the Sudden Money Institute. So depending on if a client is in a major transition or whether they're just coming to us to engage, to see, you know, are they going to be able to retire and, you know, how do they pay for their kids' education? We're bringing all of those kinds of questions. They're very qualitative. Um, you know, a good example, are you familiar with the Kinder Three Questions? Yes, but share it with our group. Let's hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first one is if you had all the money in the world and you could do whatever you wanted, be whatever you wanted, have whatever you wanted, what would you do? Everybody loves that question. You know, that's the Powerball um, question. Lots of people think about that. The second question starts to go deeper. Um, and basically the idea is that if you found out you had some illness or disease and you only had five to 10 years to live, what would you prioritize? What would be important? Um, what would you wanna take on while you were on the planet? Um, and then finally, um, the last question is, if you only had 24 hours to live, not what would you do in those 24 hours, but what would you miss having not gotten to do or regrets that you had of things that, you know, you had planned to do or wish you had done differently in the past. And so it's it's really starting to understand um, if there are any regrets and how can we help clients align. This is really our, our mission is to help our clients align their values, vision and wealth for a life without regrets. Um, and there's a lot more exercises we do. How do families react to all that? I, I know it's really interesting discussions. Um, what, what kind of reactions do you get? Well, honestly, Brian, um, we try to prepare them for the fact that there's going to be a different kind of conversation. So if you were to look at our website, you, you can see that there's something that seems to be a little, little less technical, a little more holistic. Um, and, and we normally do those three questions at the what many um, advisors would call the initial discovery meeting. Um, we send them out in advance. We don't expect them to answer them in advance, in advance but we want to give them a heads up that the conversation is going to go a little differently than, oh, you've got a 401k. How much money is in there? You've got insurance. It's while there will be some of that conversation as well, what we really want to focus on is asking those questions. We also go through a communication um, preference exercise as well in that first discovery meeting, because we really wanna know each client as deeply as we can and communicate and advise them on a very personalized fashion. And so 
all of that is at least the beginnings of what makes the work we do a lot more holistic and not just comprehensive. Nice, nice. So is everybody in your practice on this program? Yeah, so um, of our our current advisory team, all of us, well, first of all, all of us are certified financial planners. planners. So we, you know, we've got the technical piece. Um, all three of us are certified financial transitionists. Um, and then our, our lead advisor and myself are also registered life planners. So talk about being a registered life planner. That's a somewhat new distinction that not a lot of advisors have. Yeah, well, um, that's through the Kinder Institute of Life Planning. Um, they've been around for 20 plus years. Um, it, it's probably of the life planning training. It is the the currently the deepest um, training because when you go through their um, their in depth training, you are actually being life planned. Um, the the model that that they talk about and that we use is called the Evoke model, and Evoke stands for um, exploration, vision, obstacles, um, knowledge, and then execution. And, and generally in our one to $5 million offering, um, if, if the client is not in a major transition, that's the offering we do. Now, if they're in transition, then we use a lot of different tools from the Financial Transitionist Institute. Interesting. Uh, great. So you also uh, had mentioned before something about um, let me see here. I had some interesting notes. Oh yeah, you you had talked about uh, the Sudden Wealth Institute, yep. Sudden Wealth Planning. Yep. Um, how how big is that as part of the business, and how many of that hundred ninety families uh, are part of the Sudden Wealth environment? Yeah, you know, um, we do draw a number of um, clients in significant transition, and and they range from. Um, widows or widowers, um, we're working on a couple of, um, or more than a couple, a handful of situations like that, all pretty complex. Um, also, um, we, we get folks who are divorcing. We are not, we don't get involved in like the, the divorce process. We tend to work with clients as they're, they're creating their next life coming out of the divorce. Um, occasionally we'll have a business owner, you know, who is contemplating sale of uh, their business um, I, and, you know, and then just other inheritors, young inheritors, um, you know, and when I say young 20s and 30s who come into millions of dollars um, very early on in their life. And so it's, you know, it's probably at any one time, we've probably got at least a quarter or a third of our clients who are in significant transition. And that requires us to bring different skills and, and tools to those engagements. Interesting. Well, good. So have you worked with any like sports celebrities who all of a sudden get a $10 million? Sports <laughs> you know, it, we, we don't, we haven't done that. That, that hasn't been a place that we have uh, marketed um, at this point. And, you know, I think there's some pros and cons to um, moving into that space. Yeah, no, there definitely are. Um, well, good. So um, let's talk about, uh, let's get into the meat of what's going on today. Uh, we had a really good economy a couple of years ago, and now we have seemingly to be a terrible economy. Uh, falling recession, markets are reacting very sharply. So what, what does your model and how you run your practice do about that to protect clients? 
Yeah. I, so from an investment management standpoint, we use a, uh, a a bucket approach or a pools of wealth approach. And so we set up multiple accounts for our clients for different timelines. So, you know, most of our clients, especially those that are already living off their portfolio or retired or whatever, um, we have some con- more conservative buckets of either cash, short-term bonds, you know, uh, shorter-term strategies um, that, you know, luckily are not taking much of a hit right now. And and we've tried as much as possible to have replenished those before everything hit the fan um, earlier this year. And in some cases, you know, we quickly went in and replenished. The, the idea being what we're trying to avoid is bad timing risk. You know, in financial planning software, bad timing is always the worst result. And um, the way to avoid that is to not draw on the accounts that are down, you know, 15, 17%. It's to be able to draw on the ones that are in cash or, you know, maybe are down 5%. And so we've done a lot of that. We actually um, have put some of our, um, all of our clients with required minimum distributions. Most of them already were in cash in the fall of last year, because that's how we do that. Just the RMD. Um, And then now we're looking forward to the bigger RMDs in 2023 and taking at least half of that right now to cash. Um, So that we're not taking, again, as much bad timing risk come next year. So when you do the bucket theory, um, how many buckets do you generally work with as far as time? Um, so we, we we technically have four timelines, but we don't necessarily fill every, um, every timeline or every bucket with a strategy. Um, our best, you know, our, our higher net worth clients tend to have them all filled. But the first one is zero to two years, then two to five years. Um, then six to 10 and then 11 plus. Um, okay. And then, of course, you have different strategies if it's a retirement plan account versus a, a taxable account. Okay. So what do you do with the zero to two bucket? Um, so often our clients are holding cash, you know, maybe they're in a high yield savings account. Um, and um, there's a particular strategy we use through SEI that has, you know, about 13% in equities. Everything else is in you know, money market, short-term bonds. Um, so, you know, that's worked out pretty well. And and it's so far this year, not down too much. Okay. So like how much of their portfolio would be in that zero to two bucket number one, maybe? A you know, a couple of years, couple of years, ideally, if we can, a couple of years of expenses, um, you know, or I should say a couple of years of portfolio draws. Okay, good, good. And then, uh, how does it progress up from there? Two to five, five to 10, 11 plus. Yeah. So, you know, the, when, once you get to the two to five um, str- or, um, bucket, uh, you know, then we're going to tend to be in strategies where we might be up to um, maybe a third in, in equities. Um, once you get to six to 10, you're probably 50, 50, depending on the client's risk tolerance. By the time you get to 11 plus, you know, you might be 60%, 60 to, you know, 75%. Um, in stocks. And then the idea is that in good years, you're going to replenish the the lower level buckets. Um, you know, ideally, you don't want to touch them right now. That's certainly our goal um, with our clients. So so um, we have the conversation, we get the phone call, and client is upset about bucket number four. What do we what do we say? Well, uh, you know, we've spent a lot of time, I guess the other half of what we're doing, Brian, is to just proactive communicating with our clients. We meet with them at least a couple times a year. I can't even tell you how many emails we have sent 
um, articles, uh, communications. We have a quarterly newsletter. Many of our clients have been with us for a long time. They've been through multiple market downturns with us. So they've seen how this has worked out for them. Um, but, you know, for our, our newer clients, you know, we hold their hands. We we remind them that, you know, this is, we don't want to, we don't want to create bad timing um, because most of them we've taken through the, the, uh, the, financial planning software, and they understand what bad timing means. You know, occasionally we'll do a little bit of a tweak here and there just so they feel a little more comfortable, like, you know, taking the RMDs to cash or whatever. Um, But otherwise, you know, I think most of them, they just need to talk to us sometimes. But for the most part, we're not being asked to move money to, you know, to cash entire accounts or anything like that. Well, and, and plus, if you have those allocations, like you mentioned, um, you're probably not going to have much more than about half at risk anyway, overall, forgetting the bucket theory. So they're they're going to be doing better than the markets in general anyway, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, uh, you know, at all, every client's risk tolerance is different. But, you know, if I was to imagine looking back over this meeting cycle of the average asset allocation is probably at least 50%, if not higher, um, when you put the whole thing together, because obviously we're not keeping a lot in the most conservative buckets. Um, you know, this is a tough year, though, because normally we'd be telling the bond story, you know, the bond, you know, the bond part of your portfolio is the ballast. Obviously, it's it's more of a ballast now than it was at the beginning of the year, but it's still um, not the ballast we're used to it being. So it's a little tougher story this year. It really is a terrible worst bond market in our in our careers, for sure. And uh, before that. Well, um, so so you mentioned a little bit about your client client connections. Uh, you, you meet with them a couple of times a year. Um, is there any stratification to that? So the larger clients meet more often, less often? How does all that work? Yeah. So first of all, clients that are in a major transition, we're meeting with often at least monthly, if not more often, because what one of the things we know, Brian, about working with clients in transition often uh, there may be a little bit of cognitive slippage. Um, they're stressed, they're overwhelmed. And so uh, the meetings need to be short, bite-sized. Um, and so we need to meet more often. Um, uh, for our uh, high net worth clients, you know, we might be meeting three, four, five times a year. We may need to check in in between. Um, our bread and butter offering is normally a couple times a year. And then we we also have, um, work with some younger clients as part of what we call our um, Smart Start subscription program. Um, and some of our lower level legacy clients, you know, we meet with them less during the year. So we definitely have a stratification. We definitely have very clear sense of um, how often we do plan updates, how often we're reviewing their insurance and estate planning. And, and those cycles are driven by sort of where, um, what offering and, and what level client service level they're at. Nice. Well, good. So you mentioned engagement. Do you do any events and, and ways to just get people together to see people face-to-face besides just the meeting? Yeah, you know, um, we live in the D.C. area. And well, first of all, we have clients all over the country, but we live in the D.C. area and people don't like to go from Maryland to Virginia. The traffic's horrible around here. Um, and so what's what's come out of the pandemic that's been a, a, a really big hit are virtual wine tastings. And over the last two, two and a half years, that's probably been the most consistent thing that we've done to bring clients together. We have a a solid group of some of our top clients who show up every time. We probably do them about four times a year. Um, We have the wine shipped out. We have a sommelier 
that we work with who um, facilitates the um, conversation about the wines. And, and they've been a big hit. We've also done some cocktail ones and some craft beer ones, um, but the, the wine group has um, really been solid and people have appreciated that. You know, we do some webinars as well, you know, from a knowledge standpoint. Um, we've surveyed our clients. We know the topics they're interested in. Um, we we uh, do a couple of market updates a year, but from a social um, standpoint, it's been the um, the wine tastings. Nice. Talk to me and our group about the client survey. Uh, that sounds interesting. So um, how do you do it and how often do you do it and what do you learn? Yeah, so uh, we have been working with uh, Julie uh, Littlechild's um, Absolute Engagement Organization. Um, at the, we did a survey back in January of 2021. It was incredibly useful. Um, and it will, we're planning on doing one either this fall or again in January of next year. I think every couple of years is probably enough. We asked a lot of questions about, you know, how satisfied are they? You know, what, what are some of the things that they want to learn more about? That's driven our webinars. Um, it, I can tell you investments is you know, in the top five, but a lot of things they're interested in um, are more around health and longevity, um, legacy planning and charitable giving. Um, those are really top interests for a number of our clients. Um, you know, we're also looking to see how likely are they to, to um, uh, refer people to us. Um, and, and that's a new evolution. We used to get a lot of folks off the internet and now it's it's almost 100% um, Referrals, so we're a little unusual compared to most friends, and part of it is because of our business model. Um, but then the other thing was, um, you know, it's COVID times. We asked, "Do you want to meet in person? Do you want to meet um, uh, virtually? Um, do you want? Do you not care?" And basically, what happens? We found out it was a third, a third, a third, which meant that really two thirds of our clients we were probably going to meet with virtually, but there's still a third that really want to. Um, meet in person. And so that's been interesting. I think we're going to want to survey again because some of the ones that said they wanted to be in person now um, seemingly don't want to, you know, they'll do the virtual because they don't want to have to drive to our office. You know, yeah. Okay. So they don't care. Okay. Yeah. Um, how about media? Do you put any of your information out in the general media um, through social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok? Yeah. Um, so we have um, we have a, a, a Facebook and a LinkedIn um, corporate page, um, obviously, and we've got a website. Um, but one of the things, and we we do post things on our website. But what we did now, it's been about a year and a half. Um, we engaged with an organization called Advisor Stream, um, and basically they help us post content that would otherwise be hidden behind a paywall. You know, Wall Street Journal, Fortune, Forbes. Um, New York Times, um, we are able to push out articles directly to our clients and prospective clients. We are able to post those articles on social media. They have It has a, a whole nice little thing where all I have to do is select the article um, and then it posts it directly to our social, our corporate social media sites. Plus we can access those, as I said, to send out to clients, make a newsletter out of them. It's been really, it's easy, it's inexpensive. Um, and while we also write some content and run it through there, um, there's a lot of great content out there already written. Awesome. Wow. It sounds like you really have a great, great program set up, Lisa. And, and, uh, the model is different than the standard AUM bring in the assets and charge the fees type model. Uh, there seems to be like an element of freedom to that where you're really, as you say, 
holistically looking at the client's entire view, their their entire life and their family and everything else, which is really cool. So so how how do clients react to all this? Um, are they are they saying, you know, gee, my gee, my other warehouse guy didn't really talk to me about this, that, or the other? Yeah, you know, a couple of things, Brian. Um, one is, yeah, we we absolutely are asking questions that they've never been asked before. Sometimes the, the, there's questions that come up in a couple that they've never answered with each other before. So really interesting insights. Um, you know, the other thing we're finding in the high net worth space is that often clients will have multiple investment advisors. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have the ability to come in and be the quarterback, maybe manage some of the money, certainly provide much more coordinated tax planning than has been happening in the past. Often there has been no coordination of tax planning across investment advisors. And, you know, last year was a really big year for cap gains distributions, a lot of surprises for clients, but we tried to proactively manage that even with our clients and their outside advisors. So, um, you know, I think um, we we especially see that the clients uh, appreciate that in the high net worth space, that finally things are being coordinated and probably saving them money on, yeah. on taxes as a result. Absolutely. That's great. Well, um, you've really presented uh, a, a great roadmap to how to run a great practice and some new ideas. And I think a lot of ways that a lot of advisors haven't really evolved to yet. Mm-hmm. We have a great but but folks like you are taking it and making it even greater. So thank you for your leadership. Um, we're we're going to put this interview out to um, thousands of financial advisors. At least hundreds will see it, and then some will see it later on. Um, so basically, you have the stage, and so we're essentially in an auditorium with 500 financial advisors, and they're all watching and listening to what you're going to say. So. Do you have a message you'd like to send to that 500 virtual advisors who are in the crowd right now? Yeah, you know, I guess, Brian, I would encourage them to expand their horizons. What we're seeing is clients are looking for a more personalized approach. Um, It isn't just about investment management. It isn't just about financial planning. Being able to help successfully um, take your clients through important transitions. All of our clients have transitions. Um, Being more skilled at what we'll call those soft skills is really the 21st century advisor's um, duty, I think. That's what clients are looking for. It's just not enough to know the technical side anymore. And, you know, if you're looking to grow and evolve, there's some great programs, Money Quotient, the Financial Transitionist Institute, Kinder. um, You know, there's a number of life planning programs, all of, you know, differing uh, depth um, that can help you get comfortable in that space while maintaining all of your your technical skills. And I think that's that's a challenge for um, those of us who want to keep growing and certainly for the next generation. Although I would say the next generation, they actually assumed that this is what we were supposed to be doing. So they're always a little surprised when they show up at, you know, at a firm um, for a new job and that's not happening. And so it's not just about what your clients are asking for, but the next generation of planners and advisors has an expectation that they will get to do this more holistic work. And so I think it behooves us as you know founders and owners to open up those possibilities um, for them. It's a natural, the younger folks push the older folks, right? So it's a natural thing. Exactly. And we've, had, we've met some tremendous young producers in the industry who have similar models, subscription, based or some form of that. 
and uh, you're a leader in that, Lisa. So thank you for your leadership for for our industry and for the good of your clients. We're all here to serve clients, and that's our our charge. And uh, you're really doing that well with a great team. And how big is your team again right now? Well, for the moment, we are are six of us, but we are in the process of bringing a couple, another uh, advisor on and then a client service person. Okay, great. So they're all employees of Omega and they serve the greater good of the clients and everything else. That's great. Yeah. And we use some virtual outsourcing as well just to fill out the team. Awesome. Well, we're we're so proud that you spent a few minutes with us this morning and uh, we look forward to doing a follow-up later on, perhaps in the next year. So, but uh, thanks again, Lisa, for joining uh, all of us, all 500 of the advisors watching today on the Financial Advisors Workshop. And uh, let's make it a great summer. All right. Hey, Brian, thanks for, for your leadership as well. Thank you so much for listening. Again, our biggest goal here is to help you grow your financial advisor practice to 100 million and beyond. So don't forget to download our guide on all the tips, strategies, and tricks I personally use to grow my practice to 100 million and beyond in managed assets by going to fourstarwealth.com forward slash advisors. And if you're a financial advisor looking for more freedom, higher margins, better training, please set up a consultation to discuss joining our team by going to fourstarwealth.com forward slash advisors. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And until the next financial advisor workshop, keep on growing out there, everyone.